Welcome to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sakar Kauli. During this program, you will hear guest experts sharing their experiences, best practices, and market insights. We discuss investing in multifamily apartment complexes and how a busy professional can passively invest hassle-free in various opportunities. Your host, Sakar Kauli, owns millions of dollars of assets and has done thousands of value-add projects over 20 years now. So listen in for insights. Here's your host, Sakar Kauli. Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Dan Schoenbachler with uh, Schoen Capital. Uh, welcome to the show, Dan. I appreciate you taking time today. Oh, thank you for having me. Happy awesome. to be here. Thank you. Uh, so uh, a little bit about Dan has been involved in um, residential sales and uh, for the many years and he turned into commercial real estate uh, since 2013 and he has uh, sold and brokered about 65 million worth of assets uh, in a short time. Uh, his, uh, he is also a uh, into multifamily, into five syndication deals uh, worth uh, 117 million, uh, into just about 900 units right now, uh, into five separate multifamily transactions. He is a big time capital raiser. Has uh, you know helped a lot of passive investors as well, uh, based in New Jersey, uh, and also helps out a lot of uh, local investors around that area, and has many passive investors. So we are here to kind of dig into your story. Story, Dan. I appreciate you taking time today. Um, with, with further ado, Dan, just give us some background about, uh, you know, how you kind of got started and came into multifamily and things like that. Sure. So I was born and raised in northern New Jersey. So uh, about a half hour outside of New York City. So I uh, grew up in suburbia, lived in a single family house, uh, ended up going to college out in the middle of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, Started as a business major, graduated criminal justice, thinking I would uh, save the world with the FBI or the DEA, something like that. Um, but I uh, was really starting to get turned off by the curriculum towards the end, just mm-hmm. for because I just had this desire of um, something more. And also, sure. I was in a band at the time, so I mm-hmm. thought I'd be a rock star and uh, touring the world. So I went home, tried a little solo album, got an entry-level job. And through the job, I realized that I think I wanted to be in sales. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I was very fortunate that entry level is kind of a glorified customer service job. However, you, a lot of people undervalue what customer service is. You know, I'm dealing with the warehouse and shipping and distribution. I'm dealing with finance to make sure the bills are paid or not paid. You kind of get to see how the whole company operates and interacts sure. with them. Mm-hmm. I really liked the opportunity of sales with uh, not only not being stuck in a cubicle all day, but uh, sure. mm-hmm. going out in front of customers. But it was a hardwood flooring distributor, and I didn't think that uh, selling hardwood floors was what my calling was. So uh, through some friends, ended up getting connected and uh, going towards financial services. Mm-hmm. So I got uh, licensed up my Series 6, 63, Life and Health. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was starting to help people grow their wealth through um, mm-hmm. products like in life insurance and uh, mutual funds and whatnot. So I was enjoying that. It was quite a grind. And mm-hmm. I also kind of intentionally jumped into that because when I was 18, I did read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which mm-hmm. is kind of the uh, 
and they'll be all of uh, sure. <laughs> real mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. So uh, it didn't sink in fully at that time, sure. but I did walk away with a lot of the life lessons from it. So when I, uh, you know, was coming to this stage of let's get my career going, one lesson I remembered was go for the hardest thing first. Mm-hmm. Take the biggest risk up front. You can always make up for it down the road. Sure. So I, I had heard that insurance sales is one of the harder uh, jobs to be in. So I uh, started doing that. You know, I was pounding out 100 calls a day and, uh, you know, just to get like a one appointment a week, if that. So um, it was actually someone I was prospecting on the golf course uh, about a year later. That was a commercial real estate broker. Mm-hmm. And he said, at the end of the round, I said, I think you need to diversify some of your retirement products. And he said, I think you need your real estate license. So, uh, he and his partner were uh, working on a $140 million deal. Uh, and they were, they were both just one-man brokerages, even though they did all their transactions together as a team, mm-hmm. just for tax purposes and whatnot. Sure. And they've done over a billion dollars in sales in 25, wow. 30 years. So mm-hmm. yeah, very good niche off-market kind of brokers. So I figured I could learn a lot. This gentleman, and this is what really hooked me, uh, this gentleman said, I'll introduce you to my partner because he's got about 10 years left. I'm 62, 63. I'll probably be retiring in a year or two. Mm -hmm. And over the years, some of my clients asked if I wanted to invest, like roll my commission in or, you know, add some additional money and get a piece of the property. Mm -hmm. So I have anywhere from 10 to 15% of about six buildings. And in a couple of years, when mortgages are paid down, I'll be passively making 400,000 a year. Wow. <laughs> that is what I want. Free money showing up. Sure. Like that's amazing. Wow. Let alone the concept of commercial brokers make hundreds of thousands a year. So yeah, one sale and it's more than probably what my parents made three times over or something like that, you know? Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had all the gre- dreams of grandeur, uh, gave my notice, stepped right into real estate school, got licensed. And then I was August, 2008 mm-hmm. by September. Oh, Lehman boy. Brothers folded on sure. my birthday weekend and uh, our deal pretty much died. Um, we had an all cash buyer within a couple million mm-hmm. uh, we were negotiating and they just walked at that point. And uh, to this day, I think more than half the properties in the portfolio folded sadly mm-hmm. um, and it just never came together. So here I am, I've worked my way down with every job I got was less salary to the point where I was at zero salary, 100% commission. Mm-hmm. commercial markets really just kind of froze sure. and uh, re- residential was to follow. But I uh, tried my hand at a couple different things. I got into energy consulting because Obama got in the office two months later, a lot of talk about green energy and stuff like that. Uh, I still actually do still a little uh, consulting with deregulated contracts, but um, I was doing that for a while and just trying to utilize my contacts. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I had up till then, since beginning of high school, my summer job throughout college and what eventually supported me through the recession was uh, caddying at a country club. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was always surrounded by a lot of high net worth individuals. And mm-hmm. at this point, I've watched their children grow. <laughs> so, Interesting. I <laughs> uh, had really good relationships with a lot of people. And a lot of them would tell me, you know, if you have, uh, you know, any opportunity, any uh, properties, I'm looking to invest. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was... I, I like to call it a little more of a blue collar kind of club because it wasn't, uh, you know, I'm the CEO of Goldman Sachs and Merrill Lynch. It's much more 
I'm an attorney or I have an accounting firm. I, you know, I do very well. Sure. Business and, people who have, you know, self uh, businesses and everything basically. Exactly. And mm. however, the ones that had the most money had built real estate portfolios on the side. So now mm. I'm getting it from all ends. Real estate is the way to go. Mm -hmm. So, but they're asking for seven and a half caps mm -hmm. and in Northern New Jersey, you're not going to find that except in a neighborhood. You probably don't want to walk in at night. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just a much more class D kind of neighborhood. And they're looking of course, for a more turnkey of, of very passive opportunity. Sure. So unfortunately I didn't have a means to really close many uh, people for mm -hmm. that reason. I eventually decided to switch to residential because everyone had to live somewhere. Mm -hmm. And even though I moved back, back out of my apartment in Hoboken to go back with my parents, um, Hoboken is very expensive. It's right sure. across the river from New York City, 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So uh, even I think uh, 10 years ago, I think the average household income was still about 130,000. Um, so high net worth and uh, people either had to pay a lot in rent or had condos they had to unload. Mm -hmm. So I figured, you know, they're not commercial commissions, but if I do enough of them, I can live and I'm doing real estate, which is making me happy. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was a miserable year of eight failed sales, including my first listing burning to the ground. <laughs> had a fire in the bodega downstairs and took up the whole building. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. That, that was like literally summed up my uh, career up to that point. <laughs> so I got into ad sales in the city. It was safe. It was a salary plus commission. So I'm doing sales, but at least I can afford my rent, mm -hmm. feed myself. I have benefits. And then uh, I was in transition where there was a downsizing and I got paid out all my severance commissions so I could, breathe a little bit and mm -hmm. I, you know what let me um while i'm sending resumes out let me show up in my real estate office a little more and hopefully i can bang out a few rentals maybe get a sale lead that would be great and it was that during that time that someone came to launch the first keller williams brokerage in town and uh, at that point uh the people i was closest with in my office which was a boutique mom and pop style uh, they became the top producers and they were the first ones to leave and uh, join the brokerage. Mm -hmm. And number one, I knew that I probably wanted to go for a bigger name because uh, mm -hmm. I worked for a very big publication in ad sales. Mm -hmm. And when I said, hi, I'm Dan calling from such and such, they said, let me put you right through. Mm -hmm. But then when I moved to a smaller publication and said, hi, I'm Dan from such and such, you go, Dan from where? Mm -hmm. No, sure. answer me. I have the perfect audience for you. You want to talk to me. Give me mm. your money, please. So um, I, I did notice that brand had a little something to do with it. Too. Sure. So I figured if I'm going to try and restart this again, let me try. Let me follow that. But on top of that, uh, they were making a big push into the tech side. They uh, were one of the largest, which now are the largest uh, brokerage in North America, uh, not the world. And so there's a huge network of people th around the country. Sure. And, um, so I get multiple referrals a year just from mm -hmm. being part of the country, mm -hmm. uh, sorry, part of the company. So I recognize that was very valuable. So uh, fortunately, I didn't have to send any more resumes out because I ended up getting so busy that I was mm -hmm. able to uh, support myself in real estate because of the training and education they offered mm -hmm. has also been ranked number one multiple years in a row by Training Magazine. And it taught you how to run your business versus, oh, you have a license and you're breathing. Just come sit in the desk and uh, 
talk to anyone that walks in the door. They taught you how to fish instead of being given, given a fish. Sure, sure. Mm. So uh, I was able to support myself. And, you know, I, I had all this stuff I accumulated over the years. I knew what I had to do. I just didn't have the capital and means to do it. So, you know, as soon as I got the chance, I, I ended up me and my wife in Hoboken while living there. Um, we briefly lived in an apartment together before we had an opportunity to pick up a two family. And mm. I, it was because um, her parents were like, I know that you're looking for a two family. Yes, uh, we'd like to build a multifamily portfolio. So that was our jump where we ended up buying it off them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they made out fine, don't worry. <laughs> and, uh, so, how, how so did that all then, uh, if I may, uh, how did like you kind of came into maybe perhaps your larger first multifamily? Let's, let's go there perhaps. Sure. So, uh, I'm doing all this brokering and uh, through a contact through Keller Williams, I uh, end up meeting uh, someone named Jason Yarusi. His mm-hmm. wife was an agent with us. Uh, we did some business back and forth. And then she mentioned, oh, we do house flipping mm-hmm. as one of our businesses. So I was showing him a few places in my neighborhood to flip. And uh, one day he showed up and said, oh, I'm actually under contract on a 94 unit building in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And I said, how did you do that? He said, we syndicated it. I said, Oh, what's that? And then that's when he explained how it's essentially almost like a crowdfunding, a pooling of resources to acquire an asset larger than you could on your own. And uh, he said the beauty of it is you can scale it very quickly. So while we have an accepted offer and we're not even closed yet, we're already looking for more properties. Hmm. Uh, However, our network, we pretty much squeeze all the juice out of and uh, most of our friends and families invested in this. So we're going to need more capital. I said, well, I could probably help with that. I have 14 years of caddying for high net worth individuals. And Mm -hmm. even in the market that I service for brokering is also a lot of high net worth individuals that Mm -hmm. have disposable income every year they could put towards an investment. So I already kind of had this database and Mm -hmm. the experience and knowledge of growing people's wealth. And now I'm a real estate guy that can provide real estate solutions for people in that regard. Because like I said, the people looking for the seven and a half cap or better, they don't want to manage that. And now I have another option to bring people when we can't find what they want, more passive option, which is ultimately what a lot of people want at the end of the day anyway. Right? Sure. Sure. I don't think anyone wants to deal with tenants and toilets if they don't have to. (laughs) No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now then then talking to your passive investors and things like that, uh, how do you educate them on, uh, you know, sort of multifamily or just, you know, just the different uh, uh, various components of, uh, you know, how to evaluate a multifamily or what are the advantages? Like, how do you kind of interact with them or, you know, educate them about it? Sure. Um, You know, I always, message the group that uh, I'm available if they have any questions at any time. Um, in the beginning, it's kind of, it was kind of a, uh, we have a deal scrambling to get money to finance it. And uh, so it's just kind of blasting out the investor summary, put a highlight reel, like we're this deal, you put in this much, it'll generate this much per year. Overall, it'll generate this much. And uh, this is how long we're planning on holding it for. Hmm. I don't know if you have any questions. So really, I was just kind of 
throwing them in the fire in the beginning and they could come to me with specific questions. So I was getting a little one-on-one as in the, um, uh, you know, particular scenario. So mm-hmm. we're all talking about one deal, but the good thing is that most of the deals I get involved in do tend to be structured relatively the same. Uh, mm-hmm. There's kind of a base that we look for. Um, if we're talking multifamily apartments, sure. usually the goal ideally, and you know, depending, it'll sway a little bit, but usually we want to double your money over five years. And sure. that's between the distributions, the checks you get mm-hmm. over the course of a year, usually quarterly, sometimes monthly, and then the big chunk of equity you get at the sale at the end. Sure. So mm-hmm. all of that uh, should double your money. So you put in $100,000, uh, you might make 10% a year right. on mm-hmm. average. So that's your annual cash flow. So that's mm-hmm. 50 grand over five years. Mm-hmm. And then we're hoping you get at least another 50 grand in the, the sale. Back end when you see it. Sure. And then the 100 you put in. So mm-hmm. your 100 just turned into 200 at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. The, the real nice thing about it, and especially because a lot of my database is fellow realtors. I and see. People, mm-hmm. as the IRS deems real estate professionals, sure. people mm-hmm. doing over 750 hours a year mm-hmm. uh, in a certain percentage of your primary income. So the tax reform in 2017-18 really put the uh, advantage in our court. So, mm-hmm. I mean, surprise, surprise, we currently have a uh, president that made his living off real estate. So we were kind of expecting it. Um, so the tax advantages that we can get on these deals are just insane because we're allowed to put, accelerate all our depreciation up front. Mm-hmm. Since we're holding short term, that's what we do. So, sure. you know, a lot of people are getting over 50% of their, um, on a lot of cases, over 50% of what they invest. Right. Year mm-hmm. one, they'll get more than half that to write off. Um, I mean, every, again, every property varies, no guarantee on that, but uh, we're going into it for the tax deductions too. And I know many people in the business legally paying $0 in federal income tax um, because of this. So sure. mm-hmm. I'm not only increasing your wealth, you're getting uh, tax advantages along the way. Sure, sure, sure. Now, uh, typically then, uh, how do you sort of network with your other investor? What sort of means you use? I mean, you described you have uh, your uh, background from the golf industry, uh, you know. Are there any other ways, uh, Dan, you go out and network with a lot more high net worth individuals and things like that? Yeah, that's always the trick to find them, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who's waving a checkbook uh, Mm -hmm. that I can talk to? I am much more of a face-to-face kind of person. Mm-hmm. So COVID-19 has really taken me off my game. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> so I'm getting a lot done and expanding my network. And thanks to podcasts like yours, that's been great exposure. What I really should be doing, and one of the big keys to this is I should be creating my own platform and I should be doing my own podcast and running my own meetup group. Uh, however, like I said, where I'm at, um, Right now, where brokering is still a big part of my life because sure. it, mm-hmm. it's my main income at the moment before these, pa- these uh, not passive for me, uh, before the, all the syndication and commercial deals sure. really mm-hmm. start to add up. So uh, I'll go to a ton of meetup groups. Mm-hmm. I was probably doing about four to five a month. Nice. Uh, mm-hmm. In person, mm-hmm. in various areas. And mm-hmm. uh, you get to know a lot of the usual suspects and it's great because um, 
then people start introducing you to other people. Sure. Uh, so that's another thing that actually for my network, a lot of times they start asking me questions or something like that. I start pushing them to go to certain meetup groups. Like, mm -hmm. Hey, you should really come to this one. They have a guy talking about cost segregation. Sure. Mm -hmm. And that's how we get all our big depreciation write-offs. Come to this meetup Tuesday night. You'll learn more of what mm -hmm. I'm talking about from the expert themselves. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, I can kind of direct people to the sources and podcasts. I enjoy books. So um, I've kind of become a, uh, information center sure where people know so cool this sounds good but where do i go like my one friend just uh unfortunately furloughed from his job like a lot of people during this uh quarantine mm -hmm. and he said you know i was only there a few years i only have about this much in my mm -hmm. uh 401k which i need to roll over and i said have you mm -hmm. thought of a self-directed ira because sure. that's mm -hmm. enough to hit a minimum in a lot of syndications and you could potentially invest in one of these deals and that for the most part it's you know, not money out of your pocket. It's mm -hmm. already set aside. You can't even touch it without getting penalized. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's put it to work. So I have him looking at some materials and talking to a company about potentially doing that. So mm -hmm. um, it was really a lot of self-education to learn these sources because uh, that's just how I run my broker business too. Mm -hmm. It's offering as much value as I can to people. Sure. So now when a deal comes to you, Dan, uh, what are some of the ways or some things you look at uh, in a deal? Like, uh, you know, how do you kind of distinguish that? Hey, this may be like a uh, good deal or perhaps this doesn't look as promising that uh, that you would want. How, how, what some of the ways uh, uh, kind of go into evaluating a deal like that? Sure. Um, and that's another niche of my business where I kind of become another layer of due diligence for sure. investors. Mm -hmm. So I will evaluate both the operator and then I'll evaluate the deal. Mm -hmm. So mostly I'm only talking to mostly operators that uh, I personally know, but you get the occasional Facebook or LinkedIn message. Hey, I got deals. You want to help raise on this? And it's mm -hmm. okay. Now I got to evaluate, get to know the operator first. Um, but I absolutely turn down way more deals than I get into. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, that first year I turned down about eight deals for every one that I got into. Wow. Mm -hmm. great. Yeah. So um, it's, uh, you know, I take the role of essentially being a custodian of funds very seriously. It's mm -hmm. a very reputation driven business. Mm -hmm. So when I see, so let's say the operator is good. Then what I am uh, looking for is, you know, most of my database is now trained by seeing the same deals put in front of them, same mm -hmm. typical structures. Hopefully we're roughly doubling the money over five years. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully the cash on cash returns, what they're getting in their pocket every year mm -hmm. is somewhere in that eight to 12% range, eight to 10% range. Mm -hmm. And um, hopefully the internal rate of return is somewhere around 15% or more. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are kind of some of the uh, barriers that we're, looking to pass and then uh, of course every deal is different so if there's some, some some sort of very interesting upside then you know maybe we compromise a little on one number because it'll be in the end like sure. mm -hmm. such a heavy value add that the cash flow is low but then mm -hmm. the exit is going to be a lot more sure 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 so that's yeah. worth it for some people and some people say i'm in it for cash flow i got all the different people i'm talking to all have different reasons to invest so some I get almost nobody to invest and then others are, 
how many checks can I write for you? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. No, it makes sense. I agree with you. I think every investor mindset is different. Some people like, uh, you know, like the stable deals. Some people just say, hey, I want, you know, more sort of, uh, you know, let's say the appreciation or at the, as you indicated, deep value adds. So at the mm-hmm. end, perhaps when you sell, there might be a lot more proceeds at the end, you know, so that, that right. those deals are, you know, kind of the, uh, what you call the, all the returns are deferred till, you know, everything gets uh, sold at the end. So it makes sense, makes sense. Uh, so in, in a typical value add, Dan, uh, what are some of the things are happening in your projects? Like, are you doing any exterior, interior renovations and things like that? Yeah, a lot of times, like I said, there's different levels. Sure. Some could be such heavy, laborsome um, jobs where you're ripping off all the roofs, you're maybe you have some foundational issues, stuff like that. I mean, for the most part, most of the stuff we're trying to get into, since usually we're trying to hang around that five-year exit timeline, sure. you know, we don't have time to redo all these buildings. Mm-hmm. But um, so usually it could range from a very light cosmetic, just update some of the interior, do a little landscaping. Uh, then others could be much heavier value adds. So whether it's a heavy cosmetic, I mean, gutting full kitchens and bathrooms, uh, trading out all the floors, um, mechanicals. It starts getting expensive and big when it's mechanicals, windows, sure. roofs. Um, so that's why certain, certain stuff will narrow that down. So a lot of times in like the Midwest, we're looking for at least 1970s construction mm-hmm. because the plumbing was different and usually troublesome pre-70s, as sure. well as... Um, the chance of getting copper wiring versus um, uh, non-copper wiring. No, just a, a typical aluminum wiring. That aluminum, thank device. you. Right. I wanted to say silver. I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which we've done on one. We, we had a uh, electrical wiring remediation on one property, and mm-hmm. uh, it worked in the numbers. That was well worth it. We got a mm-hmm. heck of a deal. And uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. So um, it all varies on the sure, level. Sure, of the mm-hmm. sure. Awesome. Awesome. So now, uh, Dan, as experienced as you are, uh, what are some of the best advice you have received from, let's say, fellow investors or maybe people you have met over the years? What is some of the advice that have kind of stuck with you over time? Oof, to narrow it down, that's tough. Um, uh, you can give a few examples. That, that'd yeah, be fine, too. <laughs> I've been very, very fortunate that this phase of my life, this, this business, I started with and have continually been surrounded by some great people. So I guess I would start there with surround yourself with great people and Mm -hmm. um, good mentors. Uh, Like any business, there's a lot of people, especially ones where you can really make big bucks. You're going to get a lot of shady people trying to make that quick buck, but it's not necessarily a quick money game. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's time that's involved and you know, you burn one deal, it could be last deal. So definitely make sure it's quality people, someone mm. you would want to take home your parents and introduce to, <coughs> excuse me. And uh, also track record, you know, uh, it's okay if someone's early on and light on the track record. If they have other previous job experience and history, mm. like again, I was a broker, uh, you know, selling real estate. I, I understand the ins and outs of a transaction, and how markets work and analysis. So, or uh, other people have run previous businesses, so they dealt with accounting and management and things like that. So that can overcome the lack of direct uh, real estate experience. Sure, sure, sure. 
but um, never stop learning either. You know, I agree with you. <laughs> I get a little annoyed sometimes that you know I'll keep diving into all these books and podcasts and um, these resources. There's a lot of overlap because there's sure. a certain degree where okay, I covered this material and it doesn't seem like there's anything new, but sure. just like in my brokerage company, we're known for our education and training. So I still go to a lot as many classes I can because mm -hmm. there's always going to be one thing I didn't know. Sure. So read the whole book, go through the whole uh, podcast because there's going to be one tidbit or story. And then when that happens to you, you'll be prepared for it. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's awesome advice. Uh, thank you, Dan. Uh, please share with the listeners, Dan, how they can find you and connect and learn more about your company and your services. Sure. Uh, very active on Facebook under my name, Dan Schoenbachler, uh, LinkedIn, same thing. Uh, website's still being built, which has been being built for a long time, but okay. uh, you can reach me at Dan at Schoencap.com. That's S C H O E N C A P.com. And uh, happy to talk to anyone, whether it's someone interested in becoming a past investor or another operator, um, open to it all. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, it's been a great show. Thank you for coming on and sharing your expert advice. It's, it's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest.